We are straight talking Southern girls in our 50s, and that's what you're going to get. Welcome to Ladies Roadmap. I'm Joe Jamie Tyler. And I'm Lana Helda. Come along for the ride as we travel and connect with accomplished women and thought provoking subjects that will motivate and spark you to dream, laugh, and get the most out of your daily life. So, Joe Jamie, we're in Los Angeles today. And L.A. is really a magnet for creatives and artists of all kinds. I know. That is what I love about L.A. is that we're just, it's just teeming with uh, creatives and it's really energizing. Yeah. I mean, speaking of energized, we are super energized today. We have a guest, Jill Pater, who is an award-winning photographer and creative director. She's worked in more than 100 countries. And she specializes in visual stories of architecture and design. She only speaks four languages. You also are one of the first women to receive a Fulbright grant for architectural photography. Yes, yes. Yes. So welcome. 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 Thank you. It's so good to be here. Well, one of the things I'd like to say before we even get started is, you know, we obviously your books are beyond beautiful. But Jamie and I were both really, really intrigued and impressed with your ability in your writing, in your blog, that you just transport us to this mental and emotional place with you where your real, your authenticness and your, your self-awareness really comes through. It was very impressive. Oh, thank you. So, so welcome to Ladies Roadmap. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. First of all, you have a master's in world politics. Is that right? Yes. So you yeah. started your, you started out your career actually pretty much on track to be just sort of more of the normal life that everyone might have expected of you. Is that what that, happened? Absolutely. Yes. I started out in my uh, undergraduate degree was in international business and Spanish, and my dream was to just travel. Right. So I thought if I went in international business, that'll afford me the lifestyle and the opportunity to travel while I work. But it was a pretty traditional path. Um, My first job was in investment banking. I was a marketing director of an investment banking firm. And I worked there for about a year and I realized, you know, the corporate life really wasn't for me. And so at that time, you know, MBAs were the big push. So I thought, well, I'll go back to school. That'll buy me some more time. So I was looking at different schools. And since I already had an undergraduate degree in business, it didn't really make sense to do an MBA. So I applied to the London School of Economics and kind of went down that path, you know, to open more doors. And as I was there, most of my uh, fellow students were getting jobs with Deutsche Bank and McKinsey and the consulting firms. And I'm like, wow, that just really doesn't feel right. And when I graduated from LSE, I got a job with Canon, the, the Canon company, UK, and, and had gone through training with them. And right before I was supposed to start, they told me, you know, my work permit didn't go through. And at the time, I had just leased a place in London. I was so set up to live there and, you know, kind of stay there forever. And it turned out to be this huge pivot. I had, you know, a week left on the visa. So I had to beg my only way to stay was to become a student yet again, which was kind of not pleasing to me or my parents at that time. And I I knew of the school, the University of the Arts, they offered photography programs. So I begged my way into um, 
a postgraduate photography program and, you know, they were full and they're like, we don't have space. And so I just sat outside the director's door for two weeks until finally they're like, this American is not going away. There you go. The <laughs> She's never leaving us. Yeah. And I, I persisted and, and started this program. And it was, it was such a diversion because everything to that point I had done, you know, it was very academic. I had always done well in school. So everything I had done, I had excelled at. And this was something that I was way behind the rest of the class. All my colleagues, my peers in the program were really talented, had been photographers for five to 10 years and were just kind of adding on. And I knew nothing. I was getting lost in the dark room because I can't see in the dark. <laughs> I was just behind in everything. I couldn't load the cameras with film. I couldn't do anything. And so I was relearning this, but loving a creative field. And I had just never thought, you know, I was born and raised in the Midwest in a very kind of traditional home and never really thought of a creative job as a career. Like it was, you do something to make money, and then you, you know, you right. kind of do your extracurricular activities well, was, in your own time. That was kind of my next question for you is, at what point did you say, wow, I'm on to something here. I'm good at this. I'm going to make that commitment to go full force into this photography and make it my business. Well, I loved the I loved the course, and I loved the support that the school offered. It was very different than my education prior to that point. Um, but even when I graduated, I was kind of like, "Oh, I'm going to move back to the U.S." And you know, I, I wasn't really sure. It took it took a while to really make that commitment. I was always pursuing it in that process, but it took a long time to believe I could do it. It, it was probably a five year process after that till I was like, "Wow, I'm really I'm a full time photographer." Right. And did you stay in London that whole time? I stayed in London for two years after and then moved back to the States, moved back to Chicago and then started my photography business there and had a studio there and was there for eight years and then moved here to Los Angeles seven years ago. So how do you feel about Los Angeles? How's what's I mean, it's so different than the Midwest. It is so different. And it's interesting because I probably have more culture shock moving here and living here than I did living abroad in London or other places that I've lived abroad. But why would be that? Why is that? I think because it's still the United States, so you expect things to be more similar, but it's really a very different value system than the Midwest out here is. Mm -hmm. Probably an opposite value system. <laughs> I, would, I would agree in many with ways. that. Yeah, sure. In many ways. And it's not that one's bad or good. No. It's just they're very different. And you, you kind of run up against those things before you really learn how to negotiate them. Well, we want to get to talk about one of your books. Sure. Because you're an author, and uh, you publish these beautiful books. They're very colorful, but they also have a lot of meat into them as well. So we want to talk about your latest project, your carry-on only, Confessions from 100 Countries. Um, that is a very ambitious uh, title, that you're going to take a carry-on and travel to 100 countries. Number one, how long was this trip? So it's the title is slightly misleading in that I do mostly travel carry-on only. I think of the, the 100 countries which this book celebrates, I think 91 or 92 were, were just a carry-on. But it wasn't just one trip. They were successive trips. So it wasn't like 100 oh, countries in one trip. We were really going to yeah. have you explain <laughs> how you did that. I know. <laughs> a lot of people get upset about that. But um, no, and so there were multiple trips, but primarily with, with a carry-on. I mean, 91, I mean, we can't even, I can't even come here from Las Vegas to Orange County without a whole two suitcases. Well, I'm, very, that, I'm very impressed with it. Well, you know, the other thing that I'm really interested in, um, Jill, is 
we all can start out on a on a journey and and anybody who's an entrepreneur knows you're going to have you're going to have your successes but for every success you've gotten you've had to get over 10 or more hurdles sometimes a lot more and i was just curious if maybe you could share some of some of the hurdles you thought were really your biggest hurdles in starting this photography business and then getting all the way to 15 i mean she has 15 published books how did you get there? Or can you just tell us maybe some of the highlights or maybe even some of the low, low sure, points? Sure, absolutely. And I have to say that I have a new book coming out. It'll be coming out in 2019. And it's it's called, a, the working title is A Creative Woman's Guide to Getting Ahead. So it, it talks about a lot of these issues. I think the biggest one, which may not seem big on just like first sight, is just believing that I was a photographer, believing that I could do it. And that may seem obvious, but when you work alone and you're by yourself and you have these ups and downs every day, as soon as something goes wrong and you're not on top of the world anymore, you're just like, oh, I'm not really a photographer. I can't really do this. This is, this is not a career that is going to be long lasting. This isn't, this isn't a long, this is just a pipe dream. This, I, I need to grow up and get a different job. Right. Or and the so, imposter syndrome they talk about right, all the time. Like, right. am I really good enough to do this? Or are my photographs really good enough to make a book? <laughs> And so I think believing that, because so many decisions come out of your, your core beliefs, right? So if you don't have that belief and you don't kind of, if you're not able to fake it until you make it to, to a certain point, um, it, it's really hard to get ahead. And there's a part of you that kind of has to not care. You know what right. I mean? You have to not care what people think or not care if you're good enough. You have to kind of let right. go of that. And once you do, then it's, you know, the world kind of starts to open up. But I think getting over that hurdle of going in and out of the belief, oh, I can do this, I meant to do this, this was meant to be, to I'm absolutely doing this, I don't care what anyone else thinks, I don't care if I'm good at this anymore, like, this is happening, and there's, you know, no one's going to stop. I mean, how like, scary was it when you when you actually put your first book out into the world? It was really scary. I, it, was, it was very scary. I had started... And what had happened is I had so much, so many images and information on hard drives from all the years of travel, and I was actually forgetting where I had been and what I had done, and I'm like, I need to start kind of archiving this in a better way. It's not just enough to have it sitting on a computer. So I started out with a couple different book concepts, thinking this might be an option, this might be an option. I came up with five, and then I just started working each of them, and it turned out that all five worked. Wow. And so my first book launch was five at once, which is... I don't recommend doing that that way, but <laughs> it worked out. Um, and I was so scared that the night of the book launch, it was hosted by the Architecture and Design Museum here in Los Angeles. And the night of the book launch, I'd gotten the books from the printer like the day before, and I was so scared I couldn't open them. I'm like, if there's something wrong or there's any mistakes or my images look bad, I, I can't. I, there's nothing I can do now. So I literally didn't open to them to the night of the show. And uh, it was amazing. We had everything set out, and I got there and had a glass of wine <laughs> and opened them. It was like, oh, thank God. They, everything turned out great. But yeah, it was very nerve-wracking. It's hard to do anything for the first time. It's just, it's like lifting a weight or doing a really hard workout that you've never done it's before. Like giving it's, birth, it's really. Yes. That was your giving birth. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Well, and, and then, but the feeling you had at the end of the night when your show, I'm sure, was very successful, weren't you just over the moon? I, I was. I was I was so happy with the way everything turned out. And I had a couple partners in the process, you know, graphic designers that had helped and a, a great printer who had helped and, you know, people who kind of came into the mix at just the right time 
to, to make it successful. But yeah, I think every, it was a great learning process or a reminder that everything you do, and I'm working on a couple new projects now, and, and those are the same thing. It's like, I don't know all the technology and I don't know all this, and I, I don't know if this is going to turn out, or I don't know if this is a complete waste of my time and money, like putting so much effort into something and building something, and it can be just a huge failure, and yes. you don't know. Yeah, and we so relate to yeah, this. Or, yeah. or one of the other things we were, we were talking about is, again, is you know starting on a path and maybe maybe you get on that path and you you have the idea that you're going to go in one direction and then suddenly something else happens and it feels like a disaster maybe at the time all of a sudden the way it ends up can be very positive have you had anything like that where you started out in with one thing in mind and it ended up completely different yes i have um so recently i started with a I started working on a, a, a show concept based on Carry On Only, the book. And so I had put together a bunch of different ideas and had the idea of pitching, you know, a 22 to 44 minute travel show. So that's the, that's the basic time for broadcast TV. And I had put together all the parts and pieces and, you know, it, it gets a little more complex when you get into that level of production because it's a lot more money, right? You mm-hmm. want to do a sizzle reel and it's a travel show. They're the most expensive reality Always shows more than you to think, do. Too. Yes. And it's being a producer and being on camera, which is very hard to do. It's like I like I like being behind the scenes, you know, being on and behind. That's a really kind of stressful. That's a stressful day. So anyway, I had this big thing in mind. It was working towards this, and things just weren't kind of quite working out. We had I'm going to France next week, and we had a, a videographer there, and, and he didn't end up quite working out. And we were trying to get access to certain places, and that didn't quite come through. And what had happened is that I got too attached to this idea of how it was going to come out early on. And I was just trying to force a round peg in a square mm-hmm. hole instead of just letting it be open, letting it be fun. And I thought, wait a second, why am I spending all this money on a videographer when I've been a photographer for 18 years? I have all the equipment. I have the micro, you know, I have everything. Like, let's just go and have fun and do what we're going to do and shoot what I want to shoot and edit it, like put together a piece that I really like and I'm having fun with because it's a lot of time. It's a lot of money. And if I'm not having fun doing it, there's yeah. no point in doing it. You know, there isn't like a huge pot of gold at the end of this mm. tunnel. It's like, you know, it's a TV thing. So, But I, you never I, know where it's going to go. Right, exactly. Really. You don't know where that's going to take you. And that's kind of like, you know, we talk a lot about reinvention. And when I listen to you, you, you're similar to us in that I think you just continue to reinvent yourself or you you push yourself. Yeah. You push yourself to that new edge of something else. Like you're trying this now to be more of a producer and, and come up with a TV show. So you are, it sounds like, constantly reinventing yourself. I always try to have new things, yeah, to keep it interesting. But I have a question. I wanted to go sure. back to becoming this photographer. And I was thinking, everybody wants to be a photographer, and it's a tough business to be in, and you know that, obviously, going into it. What did you think for yourself that you were going to do to put yourself out of the pack, take yourself out of the pack? Well, I think it was interesting because I was recently talking to somebody else about this, and I think one of the huge advantages I had going into photography is one that I had a business background, so I'd done mm-hmm. something else before, and I didn't have a lot of ego going into it because I was I knew I was skillless, so I was kind of shameless going into it and just like willing to fail till I succeeded. I didn't have any expectations of like succeeding and was just willing to keep working at it and basically get rejected. That's what they always would tell us in school: like go out there and get rejected. You know, like being able to put things forward and not having to succeed 
seat at them, whereas a lot of my classmates at the time, they were really amazing photographers. They've had fine art shows and these things. So everything they did, they had uh, expectation tied to it, that it was going to be great. And they didn't want to put anything out there that wasn't going to be great or wasn't going to get accepted or acknowledged. And so they just did a lot less. And I think the lesson there early on was, you know, you just have to keep putting coals in the fire. Like, some are going to work, some aren't, but you just have to keep stoking it and, and keep doing it. And not everything is going to materialize into a great outcome, but you, you just, you have to keep going, keep refining and, and not be afraid of rejection or something not working. Just take that information and put it into the next reiteration. I of mean, that's the key doing. to entrepreneurism. I mean, you're the only way to really be successful is to have that attitude. And really the only way to really fail is to quit. Right. You know, you might run out of money, right. but that still doesn't mean you failed. If you can keep it going, you know, just keep on trucking and keep putting the new, the new, the new goods out there. Well, one of the things we haven't really dove into yet is your travel. And we talked a little bit about, yes, you've traveled to all those countries and you're great at packing, obviously. Um, but I really want you to talk a little bit about about your experiences when you've traveled. You know, you travel as a single woman, and oddly enough, we just, by coincidence, just had an expat solo traveler on our show a few weeks ago. And she's uh, been single for many years, but you wrote about being single and traveling, and maybe you could share a little bit about that. Sure. I Well, I think in, in Carry On Only, that was a big kind of arc in the book and something that my sister is the editor, and she's always like, you have to have more of the romance in there and then, you know, like the pain and the this. I'm like, I hate writing about that. <laughs> but I think, it, you know, this book, because it took place really between I, the time I was 33 and 37 are kind of the years, more or less, that most of the book took place. You know, you're kind of asking yourself, did I make the right choice choosing this career and this lifestyle, and should I be married, should I kids when you go around the world and like 90% of the world that's kind of the definitive requirements of being an adult you get married and you have children right and especially as a woman you're just expected to do that and so when you're around the world especially in certain places where nobody really veers from that that's just not acceptable you really you know like at points in that book, I was in the Middle East and, you know, it's just a very different culture and people aren't used to seeing single women, certainly not traveling without their husband's permission or without a husband. I mean, that is just outside of any of that concept. So there are elements of that that can be very lonely, right? Because you're like, I'm kind of this alien in this place and no one else is doing this. And how can it be, you know, 2018 and women still aren't represented in so many area, aspects of the world and so many aspects of power, but even something just as simple as traveling, you know, you just don't see that as much. So I think a big part of it for me too is just, you know, giving women permission or encouraging them to do it on their own, because I think the travelers of the future, I, I think women are better travel, are, are kind of the connectors of the world. And I think the more women travel and do things, it really does change the world and the world's perception of us. Yeah, I loved it when you said sometimes they wouldn't even get your room ready and you'd be like, where's my room? And they'd right. say, well, we're waiting for your husband. <laughs> and then so you started I. pretending, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are, I mean, there are, are parts of the world where, you know, it's, 
if you're if you're not married, they assume that you're a prostitute or a hooker traveling, so you have to have a fake husband, or they only respond to the authority of a husband. So you on your own aren't powerful enough. Like you actually have to have an imaginary husband to like work through. And so I was in a, a, a car with a driver in, in Jordan and I kept calling my imaginary husband and he was saying, he wants me to take you here and here. And it's just, <laughs> just so and leave you, it, leave it wow. to me in that conversation. He's like, oh, do you have kids? And, you know, and I said, oh, I'm one daughter and, you know, leave it, leave it to me to not have enough imaginary kids. Right. I have one female daughter. But that wasn't enough sons. for him. You needed, that wasn't, yeah. 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 <laughs> not I'm like, I could have thrown in a sure. few more. They're not, they're not real. Oh, that's so funny. You have to be careful when you like, um, well, so four years ago you, you founded a publishing this. Yes. Time. So oh, that is just amazing. Tell us about that. What, how did that come about? So I had put together the five, you know, the first five books. And, you know, I didn't really know at the time when I was putting it together and layout and printing, I didn't have a final, vi- I wasn't attached to a final vision of it. And they came out and they were beautiful. And I had, you know, custom selected all the papers and the inks and the design, you know, all elements of the design process. And so when I started showing them, they got, you know, really good reviews. And I found an agent who worked with, you know, some of the top, coffee table book publishing companies like Toshin and Rizzoli. And he's like, I'll represent you on these. And I said, great. You know, so we started looking at him and he's like, well, you really need, you know, who, he's like, well, you know, we're looking right now at design and destination. He's like, well, who, who picked these destinations? I said, well, I did, right. I'm (laughs) financing the book. I can pick wherever I want. And he's like, well, you really need someone to come in, you know, an expert to, to like pick the destinations and then, so, you know, another celebrity to write about it. And I'm like, no, I'm not really interested in doing that. So we went down this kind of traditional publishing road and I found that it was very limited. And most importantly, most important to me is that the quality of the product just wasn't there. You know, the books I published were like top of the line, top of the line papers and inks. And as a photographer, once you see imagery that way, you can never go back down and the, the quality of the binding, I mean, everything was just much higher end. And I decided that this is the way I want to publish books. And I understand they're expensive and that limits the market to some extent. But I want, if I'm doing this, I'm going all the way. And then I'll offer a digital edition, you know, to make a, make something at a better price point so that more people have access to it. And so I, I decided to found my own publishing company, Gilliard Moshe. And at that point, I'd already had, you know, editors, proofreaders, graphic designers, print producers, you know, stylists, people helping with the shoots and destination locations. So I kind of had everything in place and just realized that for me that that was a better solution to what I want to put out, which are, you know, high-end, limited edition, fine art books. So do you just pull those people together when you need them or does it go on all the time? Yeah, so they're, um, they're all freelance. Um, but what I love about them is they're the best at what they do. So they all have their own individual companies. For right. Most, they're solopreneurs and they're the best of the best. And so we just work really well together. I put together the creative direction and say, what do you think about this? We'll go back and forth on design, on copy. And we all know, everybody knows like exactly what I want. You know, we've done so many books together now. They know exa- they know my style. They know what I want. They know you know when I write yeah. something, how to rewrite it to make it sound better. So you basically created your you just created what you need. Yes, needed. That's yes. All. that that's that's. Are impressive. you doing other? Do you publish other um, artists, or is it just? Right now, it's just me. But I'm working. I'm actually um, teaching a bookmaking workshop here in Los Angeles on October 21st for oh. as part of the. Uh, 
American Photographic Artist, and anyone can come to it. But it's a great workshop, and it just it's going to take you through the process. So it could be anybody. You don't have to be a photographer to come to it. Um, but it's anyone, you know, interior designers, anybody who's in a visual uh, based job would be interested or anyone who's thought about putting together an image based book. It just takes you through that process, what you need to know, how you, you know, how you kind of put all the components together. Um, because so much has moved away from the traditional publishing route, like that's really not there. And that was the other thing I found actually with carry on only, because I thought this is more of a traditional book. It's a, it's a text book that you actually read and going through traditional publishers and PR things like that structure really isn't there anymore. Right. It's really not. I mean, for authors who've been around for a long time and published 20 books through the big houses, they still have that. But for new things being done, that that's a very old system and it, it doesn't that structure isn't there. Even if you did get a traditional publishing contract, you'd still be responsible for most of the promotion. Most of the sales right. would really come from people you know. Um, that marketing arm that works around the publishing industry kind of isn't there anymore because everything's gone out of print and it's you know social media based and and so it's just a different elephant altogether. It is. How are you marketing your books these days? So a lot of it. So the first ones were you know the big was the big event you know at the Architecture and Design Museum and through social media and just putting images out and pursuing new projects. Because I'm a photographer, it's kind of easy because I'm always putting out imagery and this is from this book. Um, obviously doing things like teaching this workshop is another way of like getting people excited about books. And I'm such a huge book lover. My happiest place on earth is the bookstore. So I love kind of inspiring this and inspiring people to create as well, and I'm hoping that that brings so more life to it. Tell as well. us a little bit more about the workshop. Where is it going to be? It's going to be here in Los Angeles at Strauss Studio, and I can provide the the details for that too, so you can send along. To great, your, we'll to put your a link in, in Hollywood. Yeah, but it's it, it'll be a great day. It's from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and again, it's really about taking you through the process. Um, the idea behind it is to encourage you to inspire you to do a book or encourage you to do it and that, you know, you have all the tools you need. You know, most people get kind of stuck in that process. They think about it and they think, oh, no, that's it's way too big of a thing to get involved in. But it's a really fun, creative project. And especially now in the day of social media, you know, everything just lasts for an instant, a minute here and a yeah. minute there. And we start losing this collective memory of time and projects. And so for archiving work, um, if you're in any industry where you've, you've just done things over a long time and you haven't put it together in a format that's easy to keep and maintain and kind of show off to your clients what you've done, this is a great option to consider. Yeah, that would be a great workshop, workshop for me in my, in my design business because it's so difficult. You know, I have projects all over the country and then I finish a project and I'm not there anymore. I just did some projects in Idaho and... I'm too busy. I can't go back. I, I need to get photographs of my work, but now I've got to make a special trip to get back there. So it is difficult to, to get your work archived like that and to get the good photographs for, for certain. So that would be kind of a good process to learn about and go through and kind of have on the forefront. One thing that I wanted to talk about too is you have books on cuisine and gastro gastronomy. Yes. And I was just curious. I mean, look at that. It makes me hungry. But also... 
Are you a foodie or what do you do this also in your travels? Yes, absolutely. So the food I do, it's kind of, you know, food can be very design based. And I've been lucky enough to work with some of the top chefs like Jose Andres and certain Michelin star chefs. And so food, it's very much, it's food, but kind of from a design aspect, the way it's plated and the colors. And so it's very similar. Well, you don't think of food and interior design in the same vein. It's actually from a shooting standpoint and designing the book, it's similar. So food books are one of my favorite things to shoot. They just... They, they flow very easily, and um, this one that we're looking at, Cuisine Le- or The Art of Cuisine, um, was done with Jose Andres and his team, and um, it was so much fun. It was a five-year project, and I just I wow. put it together as five years' worth of work. But other ones we've done, um, I worked in Provence, France. We did a Michelin star restaurant, and that was one we shot You know, in a week. We shot entire book and put it together and so they're so much fun they're just so much fun to do and the food and you get to eat the whole time <laughs> oh, that's but then we also heard that to enhance your travel experience that you like to go to cooking schools yes I so love it yeah t- what's been one of your favorite countries that you've done that in wow probably I love Asian food in general um so I did quite a few classes in Vietnam in both North Vietnam and, and South Vietnam um, Cambodia. Is there a language um, period or do they have like a... Yeah, yeah they're English. They're, they're English. English. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's hard enough of a... <laughs> it's hard enough of a layer just like getting into the cooking, but, you know, let alone the, the language. But yeah, I love it. I love cooking classes abroad because you learn so much, even if you have no intention of ever cooking or you're not really a home cook, you learn so much about the cuisine and the history of the culture. And and if you go early on in your stay, you know what to eat there and you know the spices and kind of what to look for right. and, and how the, how they're thinking about it. But yeah, I love love taking cooking classes. Because it can be and, overwhelming when you go to a new rest when you go to a restaurant in a foreign country. And if you really aren't familiar with their cuisine and you look at the menu, it's pretty difficult to order. It is, yeah, and especially if you have any type of dietary restrictions, you don't really know what you know what it's made of or, or what you might like. You might be missing out on things just because you're not aware that they have certain options. So, so one more thing we wanted it was we found a common ground here is that you also like to journal. Yes. So tell us about that because at Ladies Roadmap we're all about journaling. We've got a oh, new good. journal coming out. Well, we want oh, yeah, We really want to get a little more specific. We want to know how that has really enhanced not only your path as a photographer, but, you know, as a woman, how you feel or if you feel like this is, this has helped you and, or, or guided you in your life. Absolutely. I think, you know, journaling, meditation, all those practices, especially as a creative and especially if you're an entrepreneur and you work alone a lot, like you need these things to just kind of resettle and like get things out. And for me, the combination of meditation and journaling is just, it's been huge. It just, it, in fact, when I don't do it, I really feel like this pent up, you know, like I, I need to meditate, I need to take a break. Um, but with journaling specifically, I, I freehand journal, so I'll, I'll spend like 45 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever I have. I actually tend to journal best on airplanes, so I'll write like pages and pages. And just certain things come to mind, ideas for books, titles for books, you know, all these things that are kind of working in your subconscious and I find tend to come out in the journal. So mm-hmm. if I'm working on, you know, there's something in my mind I can't quite put together, or new ideas for things. Or I'll sometimes just like ask the question and, and see what comes through. Like, should I work on this or should I do this or what, you know, where so should I travel to? It helps next? you get your clarity. Yes. And sure. does it, do you find that it helps with your vision? 
as well? Absolutely. I think just kind of like purging those thoughts on a daily basis helps, helps you get cleaner and clearer on a lot of things. It also allows you to, to just kind of brainstorm and, and like let things fly out. And then as you, you get kind of more clarity, as you keep, you know, writing daily on what, what things will stay and, and what things, you know, you might not pursue, but it's just an idea that's there. Well, there you go. We just had our, our, commercial for journaling and we're coming out with our ladies roadmap journal which we feel like really does help you kind of focus in on on things and think about things in your life that maybe ours is also kind of workbook related Mm to as well as our free-flowing consciousness pages and it helps you to really get and dig deep and think about some things that sometimes we just all get so busy trying to get through our days that we don't always do. Absolutely. So I think it's important to out, like keep asking what you want. I mean, sometimes we get into a, a, we're finally doing what we love for a living or we finally get to the, to this point. But you, after a while, if you forget to ask yourself, like, what do I really want now? Or what's, you know, what's the highest vision now? You know, those are like constantly evolving questions. And I find that I'm as guilty as anyone for not doing them. And every time I go back, I'm always kind of surprised by the answers. Yeah. Yeah. And that projection really does, I think, kind of propel you forward to, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this. Right. Oh yeah, that's why I love this. It sort of reminds you and gives you that little nudge of, of, okay, this is happening. And sometimes, like you said, you just sort of forget how far you've come. You were talking about, you know, you're doing it every day and you still, and I know, you know, I can still feel wonder sometimes in my am I really good enough? And then you sort of take a, a, a backseat and you reflect and look at all you've accomplished and it can... You forget. Can, so yeah, Sometimes if you're you not do. writing it down. And I think, especially for like yourself, traveling to all these different countries, keeping a log of all that just is imperative, I would think. It is, yeah. And I think too, you know, especially you're always working on new projects, so you're kind of failing forward on new things. So you, you forget what you've accomplished because your your mind's stuck in, you know, Wait, did you zones. say failing forward? Yes. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> oh, you have an oh, yeah, Tim Ferriss talks about failing forward. Yeah, you fail forward. That's how you that's how you find success is you have to you have to be willing, just like Jill said, put it out there and not worry about the criticism or the possibility of failure. Like you said, you're doing this. And now, don't you have another new project coming up that you're working on? I do. I have a, a podcast coming out called Travel in Style, and it's um, it's airing September 24th, Monday, September 24th. And the first uh, episode is Destination Provence, and I'll actually be in Provence Exciting. Um, live, uh, launching that Wait, live. Wait, so you're doing, so are you, is this a live podcast, or is it, is it or have you produced any of them already? It's produced, yeah. We produced the first season, and for the launch, I'll actually be back at the first destination of of um, the podcast, which is France. So I'll be back there just doing live video and getting awesome. people excited. So the purpose of travel in style is getting people excited about travel and making making it kind of easy. So if I'm going to a new country, a place that I'm not that familiar with, there are certain things I want to know, like how hard is it to get there? Is it is it a safe place to travel to? Is it easy to get around? What are some of the highlights? You know, what are the yeah? So it's things? informative. Yes. So speaking of that, real quick too, I, I wanted to ask, what has been your favorite destination so far? That's so hard. I mean, they're all, I, I love them all for the experience. I would say the top five are South Africa, Namibia, Chile, New Zealand, and Fiji. Okay. Those are good ones for your list, ladies. Really? And is South, are all of those safe or? <laughs> well, relatively. I mean, South Africa on that list, South Africa is probably the most 
I would say, you know, has the propensity for, for danger, but it's kind of like anywhere you, you know, we always you look at the United States and if someone asks you, is LA safe? Well, it kind of depends on where you are. And I think if you're mindful and you follow certain practicalities, almost anywhere can be safe. I think it's such a good point because I know I like to travel a lot overseas and, you know, people go, oh, I don't want to go to New York because it, you know, of course it's portrayed as a dangerous place so many times on television and movies. Right. You know, so they don't want to go to New York. Like no, it's fine. You know. Yeah, you have to. Everything, everything has its has its areas, I guess. Well, so this new show you're doing then mm-hmm. is really sort of a guide for travel as well. Yes. And are you sort of are you gearing it for female travelers, or is it just in definitely? General? I mean, I think by nature, as as the host of it, it is naturally to promote mm-hmm. people who might be people who are maybe a little bit shy to travel and certainly female travelers and people who might be, you know, more reluctant to travel alone, you know, or with groups, but it's, it's really to inspire people to get, you know, to get people out there and make them feel a little bit more yeah. secure. In their Plus, yeah, it just gives you a little decisions. bit more confidence when you're, when you're prepared. Right. That's, that's very exciting. So that airs on the 24th mm-hmm. of September. And now did your sister produce this with you or did you do this by yourself? She did not. This is produced with, uh, the sponsor for the show is CalPAC. They're a luggage company based here in Los Angeles. And so um, two of their hosts are actually on the show with me, interviewing me. Um, okay. But th- th- this was a project that I did with them. That's awesome. Well, that, I know you're excited about that. And Provence sounds good. I'd like to go if I could fit in your suitcase. I'm ready for, <laughs> I'm ready for a break for sure, but that sounds, that sounds awesome. Well, this has been so enlightening, and we are going to show your books on our website. We'll get some photographs. Ladies, her books are beautiful. But Be before beautiful we go, on coffee tables, but before yeah, we go. We, it's so funny because we've been doing our shows for a while, and normally we've always been asking our guests what are a few purchases they've done recently or had recently they would want to share with their sister or their best friend. And for some reason, the last couple of shows, we never did it. And so everybody was writing us going, please ask your we miss guests. It, yeah. Yeah, so we want to ask you, is your a purchase or two that you've had in the, in the last few months that you want to share? There are many. This is a funny question because, like, the last couple of days I've come home and the Amazon packages and, you know, <laughs> things are, like, loaded by the door. So there are a couple. One is, um, so I love my carry-on bags, right, my carry-on luggage. And CalPAC just came out with a new one. It looks like black marble, black <gasps> and white marble. It looks like a countertop. It's beautiful. And I love it because when you, you know, when you wheel it, you know, into the room, it looks like a piece, like, almost like a piece of furniture in the room. Um, so that's one of my favorites. And then another thing I literally just got yesterday in the mail was a Shure microphone. It's a, it's a very high quality microphone for your iPhone and you just stick it on your iPhone. It allows you to do, you know, live video and the sound quality is amazing. It's just really, so it's called a Shure. Sure. It's the MV, I think it's MV88. Um, it's one of the top I researched it. It's one of the top ones for the iPhone, and you just, you know, plug yeah. It into the now that you say point. that, I remember <clears throat> reading about it. So you've tried it, and it's I've good. I've tried you it, and it's really, it. yeah, it's really exciting just to have. I love always compacting, you know, making things as small and portable as possible, and to have that flexibility to do video when you travel and have good audio because audio is so important. It's way more important than the visuals. It's key. That's yeah. why we love this little Zoom recorder. It's awesome. But this, but with your traveling abroad, even this is probably kind of bulky for you. So that's nice. You can just do it on your phone. So Jill, thank you so much for being with us. It's been such a treat. 
tell our listeners how they can find you. So I'm online at jillpader.com. It's J-I-L-L-P-A-I-D-E-R.com. And my podcast is Travel in Style, uh, which is on Simplecast and iTunes. And on Instagram is at... At Jill Pater, at J-I-L-L-P-A-I-D-E-R. You guys have to follow her. Her her posts are just worth definitely worth checking out. Yeah, breathtaking photos. And read her blog. You will you will be lost. You will be lost in her in her travels. Thanks so oh, much for joining us. Thank Jill. you. Thank you so much for having me. Would you like to hear about our recommended product of the week? Sure you would. So come on over to ladiesroadmap.com and sign up for our newsletter. It's not to be missed. You'll get our current happenings on Ladies Roadmap and Ladies Roadmap Journal. Don't forget to sign up. Thank you for listening to Ladies Roadmap. And until next week, remember, the greatest part of a road trip isn't arriving at your destination. It's all the wild stuff that happens in between. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Just go to ladiesroadmap.com and click on podcast. It's as easy as that. Or you can subscribe on iTunes. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Ladies Roadmap. And you know what else? We would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at info at ladiesroadmap.com. We'd like to give a shout out to our amazing music producer, Cam Tyler, at litloops.com. 